All right, lads and lasses, it is Fish Fridays, and I am your host, Brandon Knight. This is a special Lent-themed bonus series coming at you from my seminary life. And today, we're taking a break. We're, we're stopping off for a pint of Guinness, because today is St. Patrick's Day. We're going to talk a little bit about Lent. Don't worry. It will come up. But in today's episode, we're going to answer the question, who was St. Patrick? Thank you once again for joining me on this uh, lovely, lovely Lent season. I've been having a good time. I don't know about you. I've been enjoying this series. And if you have been enjoying this series, make sure that you are rating and reviewing the show wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. If you've been enjoying the series, let me know. Email seminarylife at gmail.com. But today we're going to talk about the man who inspired one of my favorite holidays, which immediately brings up another question. And that question, of course, being, Brandon, why do you like so many unique holidays? Because <laughs> if you've been around the show very long, you know that one of my favorite holiday or one of my favorite holidays, I'm a bad Christian, is Halloween. I, I love Halloween and we're gonna have a Halloween Reformation Day special later this year. And Again, if you've been around for a while, you know that my family, along with celebrating Christmas, also celebrates Hanukkah. So how do you also manage to like St. Patrick's Day, Brandon? Well, it's actually a really simple story. It's it's silly. It's kind of cute, but it's really simple. My birthday is at the end of the month. It's actually my golden birthday this year, folks. My birthday is at the end of the month. And when I was a kid, I thought it was so cool that there was a holiday the same month as my birthday. I thought that was so cool when I was a kid. It's part of the reason why green continues to be my favorite color. It's also why, at least when I was a kid, spring was always my favorite season. I've matured now and I like fall. But when I was when I was a kid, I thought it was so cool that the same month of my birthday was this holiday called St. Patrick's Day. I thought that was awesome. Now, Logic does dictate that I've, I was literally born any other month of the year. I probably would have liked a very particular holiday. I guess if I was born in June, that means Flag Day would have been my favorite holiday, or January may have been Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I don't know. But that's, that is how this all started. That is why we are here right now taking a moment to talk about St. Patrick because he has continued to be, this holiday continues to be one of my favorite holidays. It is also worth noting that on my dad's side, I am Irish. On my mom's side, I've got Polish and a lot of other Eastern European. On my dad's side, I have a lot of Western European, uh, particularly Irish and English um, background history. So, there is a little bit of a cultural thing here, a little bit, but truthfully, the big thing is I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. There's a holiday the same month as my birthday, folks. And like I said, uh, 
tradition or not traditionally, but culturally, there's a little bit of a hey, it's a day to celebrate the fact that I'm Irish, which is why nationally this day is recognized. This is not really a thing in Ireland. St. Patrick's Day. This is this is a day for Irish Americans. This is a day to celebrate their culture. It's very similar to as I talked about before with Hanukkah, that this is a holiday. It it does get celebrated in the Holy Land, but it's it is more so a day for Jewish Americans to long for their homeland, to be back in Israel, among other things that we've talked about plenty of other times. So it does fall in this same kind of category of it's celebrating a culture the American way, which does explain all of the alcohol and all of the drinking. So because it's all very stereotypical, is it not? But nationally, this is why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. It's an Irish American celebration of Irish and also Irish American culture. And it's great. It's fun. It's a day to party and celebrate. But it's also really cool, I think, that within all of the drunken debauchery, um, I guess there's not debauchery, but, you know, we do dye the Chicago River green for this holiday. I do want to put that out there because there have been people who have asked me if they actually really do do that. People who aren't from this area. And yes, they really do dye the Chicago River green. There's parades. We dye the Chicago River green. Bars are putting green dye and Miller Light. Like this is like a whole thing. But what I think is additionally cool to all of this is that this is one of i guess really two because valentine's day would technically fit as well of a day where nationally we are celebrating the work of a real catholic missionary there are some people who are like was that even a real person was saint patrick really a person was he like a leprechaun or something like who was saint patrick and he was a real person we're going to get into that here in a minute but i think it's really cool that nationally again it's it's a day for drinking and corned beef i get it but nationally this is a day where everybody is technically celebrating an a catholic missionary which i think is really cool all throughout the church calendar there are celebrations of saints you know i think particularly like during the advent christmas season you have the feast of saint nicholas the feast of stephen like the 12 days of christmas are packed with celebrating different saints but nationally this is one of i guess two days of the year i'm not really off the top of my head i can't really think of anyone else where nationally we're celebrating has both of those days turned into a day for love and shamrock shakes? Ooh. I'm going to make that the title of my debut album. Love and shamrock shakes. I don't even know what genre would that be. R&B maybe? I don't know. Anyway. These days have been turned into a day for romance and dying in the Chicago River green with a pint of Guinness in our hands. But we're celebrating a real person who did real missionary work in a land of pagans. So let's get into it. Who was St. Patrick? Because what was what is convenient for all of this is that my love for St. Patrick continued throughout my entire life. And when I was in college, I don't think I've ever shared this story before. When I was in college, one of the electives I took to finish my degree was a history of world missions class. And the reason I took it is because this pretty girl that I liked wanted me to take it with her. 
we've all been in that situation before where someone we had a crush on was like, will you take this class with me? And of course you take the class with that person. Why wouldn't you? So I take this class with her and truly I hit the lottery because I got to sit next to her for eight weeks. I, it was a, it was a night class, which means we only had class once a week, which was awesome. It was with one of the profs in the, in the biblical studies department that I rarely had. I had them like for one other class. So I was really enjoyed that. And it was just, it was kind of like a very specific church history class. I did have to take a church history class for my degree, but this was like a, like a specific vein of church history that we are going to follow. And one of the final assignments for the class was we had to write a paper about a missionary, any one of them, any one of them. We could even write a paper about a missionary that was currently on the mission field if we knew them. I applaud the students who actually did that because the papers did have to be cited, and I don't know how they did that part, but good for them. And not knowing a missionary personally and not wanting to the majority of people wrote about Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. Naturally that makes sense that people would gravitate towards them. I I thought to myself, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to have permission to do an in-depth study of this guy and really learn like what was going on here in his, in his life and in the, the missionary work he was doing in Ireland. So I bought a book. I bought a whole book about it and did some research. And one thing that you quickly learn as you get into the life of St. Patrick is that one, he is real. That was a real person. And two, it is hard to suss out the person from the legend through oral tradition and church Catholic church teachings. There's a lot of the life of St. Patrick that, may or may not have really happened. A lot of it is the miracles that were done throughout his ministry in Ireland. I'm not here to deny uh, miracles. I, you know, we did a whole episode on miracles two years ago when we did a introductory look at the book Miracles by C.S. Lewis. You know, I, I affirm miracles in scripture, but that's where a lot of the, um, that's where a lot of the, legend and oral tradition but it also gets very tied to his actual story that it's really hard to tell who is the man and who is the legend thankfully though in all of this we do have at least one thing that he wrote saint patrick wrote a confession like augustine he wrote a confession and for those of you who are unfamiliar with a with confessions, you've you've probably have heard of Saint Augustine's the Confession of Saint Augustine, Augustine, as people also say. As a confession is kind of like a biography, it, as it chronicles the spiritual life journey of a person. So, in a sense, um, already making my second C.S. Lewis reference of this of this episode, surprised by joy would kind of be a a confession of a sort because it does chronicle Lewis's spiritual journey. The difference would be is that there is a confessional aspect to it. There is usually the confession of some form of sin that has occurred in that saint's life. Many people may be familiar with the story of Augustine stealing a pear and the weight that that 
put on him as he did it just for like the pure enjoyment of stealing. Like that's a very popular sermon illustration. And there is that element within the confession of St. Patrick as well. A lot of what we know concretely about the life of St. Patrick does come from his early days when he was a young man captured by pirates, sold into slavery. He, he, first off, I guess should, I should back up a half a step. He is not Irish. He is from, I think, what would be modern England, like South England, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, he was ca- kidnapped by pirates, sold into slavery to the pagans of Ireland, which when I mean, when I say pagans, is not that racist stereotypical depiction of like people in loincloths and face paint and making like grunting noises and hopping around. Not that at all. What I mean when I say pagans is like true paganism, like this um, religious worldview of magic and the spiritual life, the supernatural blending together. That's what I mean by that. So St. Patrick is sold into slavery to the pagans of Ireland. He makes a vow to God that if he escapes, he will return to Ireland later in his life for missionary work. And he does escape and he goes into a monastery to do his schooling. Eventually becomes, I think he reaches the rank of bishop, if I remember correctly, and then heads back out to Ireland. He is not the first person to Ireland as a Catholic missionary. There was at least one other person who beat him to the punch, not by that much, if I remember correctly, but there was at least one other person that got there ahead of him. But he did his work, but his work has been more recognized in the, uh, by the Catholic church. And again, by Irish Americans as well. It's at this point where things start to get a little murky, where you start to have this, like, who is the man and who is the myth? Uh, For an example of that, the most well-known miracle of St. Patrick is that he drove all of the snakes out of Ireland, like in a real Pied Piper type of fashion, drove all of the snakes out of Ireland. That's really cool, but topologists, I think is what you call the people who study like land terrain, aren't even really certain if snakes were ever in Ireland. So he may have did something that didn't even, like, weren't even there. (laughs) Not that he's a liar, but again, this is like like an oral tradition thing. This famous miracle of St. Patrick may not have really happened. Another famous uh, thing uh, that comes up from the ministry of St. Patrick that um, is not a miracle, but a teaching that people are dubious about is his famous teaching on the Trinity. There's this, uh, it is ascribed to St. Patrick that as he was teaching the pagans about the Trinity, he used the shamrock as a visual illustration because you have like the three leaves are all its own separate leaf, but they all come together at the stem three and one people are dubious about whether or not he actually did that if he did good on him for using a using a visual aid that the target audience totally would have known that's public speaking 101 thumbs up to you saint patrick for doing that 
but it's uncertain whether or not he actually really did this or not. About two years ago, I did a whole episode on the Holy Spirit and how the different ways that we have tried to illustrate the Holy Spirit in our teachings and how most of them fall apart eventually. I do have to put that as unbiasedly as I possibly can. I do have to put that one in the more positive pile, though. I think it's very simple, which I like, because a lot of these Holy Spirit or a lot of these Trinity metaphors kind of fall apart. I said Holy Spirit earlier. I meant Trinity. I did a whole episode on the Trinity. I did a whole episode on the Holy Spirit as well, but I did a whole episode on the Trinity of explaining like how we fail to explain the Trinity at different points. And I would have to put this one more in the positive pile because at least it's simple. I feel like a lot of Trinity explanations get a little complicated at times. But this is a good point to transition into what we do know about the teachings of St. Patrick. Because I know this this podcast is not necessarily geared towards Catholics. This is a podcast that is, you know, I'm assuming most of the audience is Protestant evangelicals. And many Protestant evangelicals can get very dubious about all of Catholic theology, period, because Catholics teach you know, Catholics teach salvation by works and they worship Mary and things like that. I really need to eventually meet a Catholic priest or somebody and bring them on the show so I can ask frequently assumed things, FATs, not facts, FAQs, but FATs, frequently assumed things to get some clarity on some of this. But back on St. Patrick, One thing that we do know, or at least can kind of pick up from his writing in his confession, is that two things. One, he was very Trinitarian in his teaching. Whether or not this whole shamrock, clover explanation was real or not, a lot of his teachings are very Trinitarian-focused, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The other thing you do pick up on, There's a lot of salvation by grace in his teachings. You don't see a lot of, I mean, it's very little. What we have of him is very little, but it is primarily salvation by grace, not by rosary. So I'm just going to leave that right there for you. And that's really what we know. He served most of his life as a missionary in Ireland and One of my favorite stories that is true that comes from his confession is that on that first night back in Ireland, after he's returned from slavery to do missionary work, he is um, he experiences what he writes in his confession as like this spiritual weight, an oppression, like somebody had put a rock on top of him and he wrestled with God all night long. He strove with God in prayer all night long. And, oh, about this oppressive feeling he had. And he writes in the confession that as the sun was rising, and he says it so much more poetically than I'm going to, but as the actual sun was rising, it was like he felt the rising of the sun in his soul and the oppression left him. And as somebody who has spent the past 10, more than 10 years, Uh, dealing with depression, because most likely that's what this was, was some form of like a depression or anxiety episode 
in the in his life as somebody who has strove with that this this moment that he has of first off striving with god in prayer all night long over it but then this this moment of seeing the sun rise and feeling that oppression lift off of him and being able to tie it all back to the work of god is just ah i love it I love it so much. I believe I talk about this way back, way back, folks, at the Dark Knight of the Soul episode. It's like episode three or four, if I remember right, if you want to hear more about the Dark Knight of the Soul and uh, how it's good. Maybe not good. Good might not be the best word, but how God can even work in that. God does work in the Dark Knight of the Soul. So how does this relate to Lent? (laughs) (laughs) as our time starts to wind down because like is this just like a random day that falls in the season has no ramifications like for those of us who have been observing lent throughout this series like is there any relationship to this and the answer is yes actually um traditionally the pope pardons i don't know if pardon is actually the right word but uh permits everybody who gave up meat uh, and alcohol during Lent to imbibe and enjoy their corned beef on this day. That is that is something that is that does play a part in your Lent season. And so for my wife and I, who we don't normally fast from meat or alcohol, sometimes we have fasted from alcohol in the past, but not every time this day becomes a, a an addition a, a cheat day you know we talked about how sundays are kind of a cheat day depending on who you are if you need to take one because that's the lord's day this we practice as a day to celebrate is cheat day isn't really the right word it's a day to celebrate because what's cool about saint patrick's day if you're keeping count this is episode four which means that it usually falls about halfway ish in Lent, it, we're halfway to Good Friday on this episode, and it, it it's it's appropriate. Again, it's not really appropriate to have all of the the drunkenness that goes into this day, but it's it's a refreshing as we've talked time and time again how about how this is a a season of self denial, a season to look to God and to look past yourself and to look to look at others, how you can help them. It is refreshing. It is a nice break to celebrate. This is a day to celebrate. And if you do it right, it is a day to celebrate what the Lord did in the country of Ireland. And we're going to celebrate that. I love this day because it is a day to party. And I don't usually like parties, but when everything is green and there's shamrock shakes and corned beef. I love corned beef. It's a good day. It's a day to celebrate as we make our journey to Good Friday. And so today, as you're listening to this episode, and I I guess if it's after St. Patrick's Day, as you're listening to it, today, as you are in your Lent season, celebrate. Celebrate what the Lord did in Ireland by taking a break from your fast, eat some gluten-free Oreos, watch some movies, get on TikTok for a little bit, whatever it was that you gave up, enjoy responsibly. 
and celebrate. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. Let's go ahead and start wrapping things up because there's a lot to say. So, because we're in such a busy season, I can't wait for June. I've been saying that since January. Okay, so this past Tuesday was the 100th episode special featuring Joshua Knoll of The Whole Church, where we talked about... What did we talk about? We talked about how uh, what what you should do when you want to be in ministry, but you're facing roadblocks, particularly the roadblock of education. You don't have the educational requirements that churches expect. So we talked about that on Tuesday. This past Saturday on local church ministry, we had a very hot button issue, but I did not get torn up on social media somehow for it was an episode on the, the relationship between social justice and the church. Talked all about justice and how we should be feeding poor people, at least. And, you know, my views on woke and other things like that. And then last week on Fish Fridays, we had a whole conversation about the biblical view of fasting. Got all up into scripture to look at different passages about what God has to say about fasting, what we should and should not do. I also had a book recommendation in there for additional um, spiritual growth as well. Tomorrow on local church ministry, this is it. The apocalypse. This is it. The final paper, the last paper I had to write in seminary. And it's all about how the church can love the LGBTQ plus community. We're, we're getting into another hot button issue. <sighs> but wait, there's more because I am very excited to announce to you all listening, you are going to find out first before everyone else that the GoFundMe has been fully funded. Earlier this week, I posted that we were about $50 away from 50% funded. And then someone, someone who actually had already donated once, went in and donated the remaining balance. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am indeed going to the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, this May. It is happening. And it also means... That there's another live stream celebration coming up. Who would have thought I'm doing three of these in a row? So uh, be on the lookout later next week for more details. I believe I have it tentatively scheduled in my notes right now for the live stream to be happening in early April, sometime before Easter at this point. Um, but be on the lookout for more information about that this coming week. I am so excited that this is happening and the GoFundMe will continue to stay active until May, okay? And the reason for that is because, obviously, the more money I bring in, the better an experience I can provide when I am at this convention in May. But also, I can turn it back into the show to make better content. And also, there are other conferences, more local, that I'm looking at for this coming fall. So the more I can bring together gives me a little nest egg for other potential ministry opportunities 
later on this year as well. So if you would like to make a donation, even though we are past the goal, feel free to. There's a link for that in the description of this episode. You can also find links for the My Seminary website, My Seminary Life website, and shop. I already plugged the email. If you need a place to listen to the show regularly, might I suggest you subscribe on Spotify, but please just keep listening to the show wherever you are most comfortable at. (sighs) Boy, this is fun. Okay. That is it for today's episode. I'll see you all tomorrow for the next episode of Local Church Ministry. This is Brandon signing off, reminding you that theology is best served with a side of coleslaw. See you next time.